0: Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now, here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Pat Flannery. Today, I spoke with Byron Brooks from Brookwright Developments. Brookwright is a uh, Calgary area uh, custom home builder and renovator. They've been in business for about eight years. Um, and I wanted to speak to Byron um, because of an interesting initiative that uh, he's launched there called uh, Builders & Brews. A pretty simple concept, basically uh, get together uh, with uh, a group of industry people, uh, including uh, sub-trades as well as contractors, uh, basically anyone who wants to come. Uh, have a, uh, an educational talk, a thought-provoking uh, talk, uh, something less than an hour uh, by somebody. And then enjoy some craft uh, beer in a uh, in a local brewery. Um, sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, it's obviously uh, very popular. He's done uh, several of these now and uh, has more planned. Um, and uh, Byron has an interesting story to tell about uh, his interest in uh, collaboration, industry collaboration, people getting together and working together uh, that grew out of uh, his experiences when he was renovating a tap room and was kind of amazed by the way that the, uh, all the local craft brewers, even though they were technically in competition, would uh, come by and help each other out with uh, supplies and advice and, uh, and even helping with some of the construction elements in this tap room. Um, so Byron has an interesting story to tell there. Uh, we also touch on uh, his experiences getting uh, Brookwright set up following uh, uh, his work on some flooding. Uh, disasters uh, in, uh, in the Calgary area. Uh, also uh, some of the differences he sees between his approach with Builders and Brews uh, and the associations uh, activities um, and uh, touching a bit on uh, oh the Calgary market and COVID and all the other things that are on our minds these days. So please enjoy my conversation with Byron Brooks from Brookright Developments. Well, here we are with uh, Byron Brooks from uh, Brookright. How are you doing? I'm good, Patrick. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's great to have you with us. Um, uh, we uh, I, I think we connected uh, just from some uh, from some outreach from uh, from your company, uh, uh, talking about some different initiatives and things you have going on. And I wanted to get you on the podcast because uh, uh, you know there just seem to be a, a number of interesting angles to your company and and some of the some of the special things that you're doing. Uh, that, that, that's of interest to everybody. So wh- why don't you start out by, um, I guess, giving us a little background on, on yourself and, uh, and, and Brooke Wright and, uh, and and what you guys do and, and and what you're involved in these days.
0: Sure, absolutely. That's a, that's a good place to start. So uh, I am a carpenter by trade. So I went through the full um, Red Seal and apprenticeship program. I did that when I lived in Vancouver. Uh, doing larger commercial projects. And that over the course of the last 20 something years, 22, 23 years, I think, uh, has led me to where I am now, which is the, uh, the owner and operator of a custom home building business here in uh, Calgary, Alberta, focused on uh, building high end architecturally driven um, custom residences mostly.
1: Right. How are you finding the market out there right now? Uh, lots of lots of demand still? Uh, yeah, lots
0: of, uh, lots of renovation projects, lots of improvements, um, uh, still new builds going on. Um, it's, it's a weird market as everyone's in right now. It's, it's a bit, uh, it all feels a bit tenuous, but um, that's part of navigating the, the construction world and it's nothing new to us. So uh, we've been pretty steady. And where our company's at is we've got uh, 14 employees, uh, so kind of three or four, five big projects at a time is sort of our sweet spot. And we've managed to stay there. Over the course of the last eight years, we've been in business.
1: Eight years. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Um, uh, any specialty you guys have? Anything you you, you you're particularly good at, or uh, or is it the whole package? Uh,
0: good question. Uh, we actually uh, we came to recognize that we uh, we are fans of architecture and design. So our best projects are working with um, with architects where architects are leading the project. It kind of says something early about the clients. Uh, intention with the project if they're prepared to engage uh, an architect for full scope of work it usually means they're a little more invested in the product that you're putting together um I was I was joking with a, an architect the other day that it's almost like uh, you're commissioning a piece of art which sounds kind of kind of hoity-toity but that is uh where we've ended up that that's where we fit in the market so um if you if people check out our website, you'll see we've done some uh, really interesting projects with international architects, which has been a something I feel blessed to have been involved in. Um, so that's kind of our sweet spot. But then we actually have a, a sister company as well because we recognize that um, not all clients have that kind of budget. Not all. Projects demand that kind of rigor and um, management load, basically. So uh, we have a sister company called Brighton Projects that specializes in uh, smaller commercial projects as well as um, residential renovations.
1: That that's good. So you got you got you got kind of a kind of a volume segment and more of it and more of a specialized segment. So that yeah, that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. I think as a business model. T- take me back to your move into uh starting this company uh byron uh, uh at some point uh you were uh as you say a a red seal tradesman out uh working commercial projects in vancouver and uh at some point you decided you wanted to be master of your own destiny uh how did how did how did that happen and and, and tell me some stories from the early years of setting things up
0: yeah for sure it happened uh, kind of by accident to be honest so uh when i went to vancouver and and trained we were doing a uh, I was doing like heavy concrete formwork. That was a, a large part of my apprenticeship. And that was fun when I was in my twenties because you'd get out there and just grind and you'd work hard uh, and, and I, I loved it at that time. But as that moved on, I got tired of uh, spending too many winters standing in the rain with water pouring down the sleeves of my of my rain gear. Um, yeah. So I ended up going to uh, residential renovations then and focusing more on interior finishing carpentry which I think is a kind of a natural trajectory for most carpenters. Um, so I ended up pursuing that. Uh, that was fun. Um, then I took a year off actually and moved to the Sunshine Coast of BC and uh, went to uh, the Inside Passage School of Fine Woodworking, which looking back now with my relatively busy life and kids and everything, I didn't properly appreciate the, the kind of sweet spot that was to spend a year living in the rainforest, biking to a workshop to Build it, handmade furniture um, for a year, so that was sweet. So I did that, but of course, then I was super broke. So I went back to uh, I went back to commercial construction, which led me to uh, leading a crew building one of the LRT stations here in Calgary, wow. um, our rapid transit system. Uh, but so that was uh, financially rewarding, but um, soul crushing emotionally. It was just like. It just wasn't uh, rewarding work. There was no connection to the end user. So then I went back to uh, working with a custom home builder. We were working on a large residence uh, designed by Bolin Swinsky Jackson, um, which was on the, elbow, or on the yeah, elbow River here in Calgary. And then we had that flood event in 2013. Um, and then following that, uh, those clients who had just moved into their house like four months, six months before the flood after three years of construction, uh, they had to do a full remediation project because they had water over the main floor. So the clients invited me and my partner Brian uh, to come back and do the remediation. Um, so that was a that was a pretty big project, and that led to another project with those architects, and uh, and it just kind of carried on from there.
1: Interesting. So that so the the flood in a way was uh, was really the entree into the working with the architects and making the higher end custom homes. Out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it was, it was unfortunate. Um, it was unfortunate for a lot of people. Right. I actually lived awesome. in the neighborhood. I lived in the neighborhood as well uh, and uh, got married uh, the week after the flood. So it was a, it was a pretty chaotic time, but yeah, from that chaos um, was where we started Brookright and, and then carried on from there.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I do a magazine for the equipment rental industry as well. And uh we always have to feel a bit sheepish about how much benefit we get out of the floods of disaster.
0: Oh yeah. And <laughs> the pumps. We need pumps. There were like yeah. there was yeah. like a
1: yeah, pumps, yeah, heater's yeah, heat yeah. Fires. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. And in that context, yeah, generators, bins. Yeah. It was it was crazy. Like we we canoed into our job site where like a week before we, no had, we had walked there. Yeah, a couple of the guys. Um, I didn't do it, but a couple of the guys, yeah, canoed in after the water was kind of receding, but there was still about a meter of water um, on the street in front of that project. So it was sad and it was, yeah, yeah. but then it, yeah, led to these projects. It led to us recognizing like um, that, that that's our sweet spot is viewing the architects and designers not as an impediment to progress, which unfortunately is how a lot of our industry tends to perceive them but rather an integral part of that team that's required to put together uh, interesting homes and projects.
1: Uh, and I like your I like your point about the difference between well what what we do in this industry and 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 some of the some of the commercial work. There, there is a there's a there's a satisfaction for I think a certain kind of personality to have that connection to the homeowner, right? And and to to be involved in making, you know, w- working with their space and and I mean as much as, you know, some owners can become annoying. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the the usually, I think it's a good experience, and, and 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 there's something more satisfying about that, isn't there?
0: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, being able to um, we that's what I like. Our our motto in Brookridge is building excellent homes and lasting relationships, and, it, and it's true. It's really gratifying to uh, to be able to go back and have a beer in a in a backyard of a home that you helped create. Uh, years ago, um, that's that's a fun experience.
1: Yeah, that that that, that definitely is uh, preferable for sure. Actually, uh, and on that topic, just a, a, another point I have down here. Um, tell me about the homeowner emotional roller coaster. I, <laughs> I, I, I like oh. The, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's that, that's not that that's a
0: that's not my thing, uh, unfortunately. But we have used it a lot. Um, it's a graphic. I think if you Google it, you can probably you can probably find it. Um, it's just, but it just describes a. Like emotions on the vertical axis and time on the horizontal axis. And as you go through a project, you can you can see it. So like when you're starting, excitement's super high. We're doing the design that's so fun. The clients haven't really spent any money yet, like compared to the whole project. So anyway, they're at they're at a real high. And then the first low happens right at the place where contractors are trying to build trust. The first low happens at contract signing. Where the clients are starting to get an inkling of, oh, geez, this is going to be more expensive than we thought, but we're emotionally invested in the design, so that's just kind of, uh, kind of to just grit down and and, and get through it. Um, but anyway, so then and then as you go through like foundation and framing and drywall, you hit a you hit a plateau, and then at drywall it kind of drops off again because that's the point where clients are like, what's happening? Meanwhile, the, like things are happening, it just doesn't look like it. Um, anyway, so we've used that as a tool, as a graphic, uh, to explain to clients, like, look, this is where you're at. We're at a low, but look at this. We've got a high coming up here after let's get from here to there and let's go there together. Um, and I've found that it's the biggest part of my job that I never really trained for is client education, uh, and emotion management, um, which has actually been kind of interesting to explore. And the graphics like that, uh, are, are extremely helpful.
1: Well, that's interesting. So, you so you actually show that to the clients and say, "Look, this is what you're going to go through." One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Be fully transparent and recognize that. Like, uh, another builder that I've talked to compares it to um, being building a home. Certainly, a large custom home is like being married to this person. But we take it even a step further. It's like being married. And then having a baby and trying to raise it for a couple of years. And that's a difficult thing for especially any parents out there. It's like, God, this baby doesn't go away. It's just here all the time. I and mean, it's expensive, and I, mean, I can't sleep. And so, so if we, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm changing carpenter's diapers now. Um, but that's, but that's. We just demonstrate the look. We we've done this before. Um, we can help you through this journey. There's going to be lows. Let's just accept that. And we're going to screw things up. That's going to cost them money. They're going to do things that cost us money. Like, and that's part of that reciprocal relationship. We're we're going through this together. We're Going through these highs and lows to get to this point where you have this beautiful project that the architects have conceived of originally. Um, so yeah, it helps and, and full transparency. Yeah, absolutely, I've showed that. We, it was actually a uh, um, feedback we had from a client on a, on a relatively difficult project as uh, she was just losing it one day. And I did, I, I, I went to the I went to my computer, printed that and then I just slid it in front of her and she just started laughing and it was what we needed to kind of break the ice in that moment. So yeah, try that. Contractor should totally try that.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it 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 it's a great point. It's it, it's something uh, I, I'm sure there's not enough uh, 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 talk or focus about uh, uh, among uh, among the industry. You know, they, they talk. You, you get a bit of if you get some sales training, they talk a bit about managing expectations. Um, and but uh, but they don't even talk about it enough, I don't think. And it, it, because there's just a massive benefit to having everybody. Understanding, uh, understanding how these things are going to go, and 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 knowing in advance, I think what uh, mm-hmm. what 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 the what the feelings and the perspectives might be. That's, that's yeah,
0: or or knowing in advance the things that you don't know, like yeah. like to say like here these are the things we're 100 sure about, but we don't know if lumber prices are going to go where they have been, or if they're going to level off, or if they're like we we just there's some things that are outside of our con- either of our control, yeah. but we're going to work together with transparency. And kind of um, openness to solve whatever problems we come across.
1: Hit, hit that for me for a second. How are uh, how are uh, materials out there, and uh, and uh, what's uh, what's up, what's down, what's hard to get?
0: Um, I think it's it's generally the same story as we're hearing uh, across Canada. Certainly, where OSB is is ridiculously expensive, uh, and TJI's seem to be hard to get a hold of. So we're working with engineers on upcoming projects to. I'm just source alternate solutions, whether those are open web trusses or, um, moving more towards ICF construction. We do some ICF construction anyway. I just, I like that um, method. So, um, we're kind of, we're held to the same sort of mysterious set of circumstances that are driving up these prices that everybody else is, um, where we are in, in we don't do as much volume and we don't do any spec building. So it doesn't really, um, uh, affect us as closely, and we just we just try and uh, control it and express to the clients like, look, this is what's going on. This is the implications for the overall project budget, and um, here's where we're headed.
1: Awesome. Let's let's move on to the 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 other thing that that you're involved with that uh, <laughs> you know is is so interesting um, is this Builders and, and Brews project. Um, just tell, tell, tell me what it is. Yeah,
0: for sure. This, this, this other thing it's a, it's a, I tried to legitimize uh beer drinking in in my work to my wife. So that's this other thing is a whole effort to, uh, to legitimize craft beer consumption, uh, and turn it into a write-off, um, which has been nice. So no, it's, uh, we, so here in Alberta, uh, six years ago now or so, um, it used to be regulations regarding uh, how you could start a brewery. So you had to brew something like 500,000 liters of beer uh, to classify as a brewery that could then sell that beer, which is a barrier to entry, right? It's a big barrier to entry because 500,000 liters of beer is a lot of beer. So um, a few uh, groups here, Toolshed and Bandit Peak, um, craft brewers, they lobbied to get those rules changed. So, and they were successful. So what that led to was a proliferation of craft breweries. um, One of which annex sales, which is actually where we have our office right now. So behind that wall, there's like literally stacks of craft beer, which is, which is awesome. Um, But, but we were helping build the tap room here. um, And through that experience, I got to see firsthand how that industry, that craft beer is working to build each other up. Um, So the story I, I tell there is uh. And because it's true, but I've had to—I've repeated it a few times, but that's fine. It's a good story. Um, the story there is—is uh, is that we were working in that tap room, and one day, uh, other brewers would come in, and with their shirts and all their gear, and i would say, "Hey, what are you guys doing here?" "Oh, we're helping—we're uh, helping them set up this equipment because we screwed it up when we set up our brewery. We don't want them to make the same mistake because it was stupid. So we're just giving them some tips on how to run all this plumbing and set up—set uh, up all their brewing equipment." And then a few days later, um, a different set of brewers come in with a pallet full of bags. And I say, what are are you guys doing here? Oh, we're dropping off this hops. We had some extra and we know they need it for this batch of beer. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. And then a few days later, other brewers came in with kegs. And I said, okay, what are you guys doing? And they had these kegs. They said, well, we want them to have cold beer on tap when these doors fly open and and beer drinkers come pouring in. Uh, So we're just dropping off some of our beer and then they'll sell it. So then I approached a few of the brewers and said, like, what's going on? Like, why are you guys doing this? Like, I don't have competitors dropping off lumber or sending finishing carpenters to my job sites. And they just recognized that by working together locally on things like marketing and investing in each other's breweries and selling each other's product and um, creating well, here we have something called the barley belt and they have like little like walking or biking tours that you can do to like five or six craft breweries that are in this neighborhood. But they just realized that by teaming up to educate clients and help each other out, they could kind of get a bigger piece of that beverage pie from the, the Molsons and the Coronas and the Heinekens and the InBevs and the big multinationals and, uh, and express to clients the value that comes with craft, uh, product so anyway so we got to see that and then i reached out to some of my colleagues here in design and constructions of okay how can we emulate this model like how can we help each other in the way that the craft brewers have been doing Uh, and from there we started builders of brews and in that we host events like educational events and then just have open networking which has been really cool because it's again it's easy like come have a beer and we'll and chat with your colleagues Um, I also think about that whole theme of uh, nothing unifies like a shared struggle. And sometimes it's just like hearing that, okay, lumber prices, that's not a problem exclusive to Brookright. Everybody's going through that. So like, how can we find that? Oh, maybe I didn't know that mountain view building material just got a load of uh, cedar four by sixes in, or like, so we can kind of share some of those ideas and, and techniques and tips. And, um, and that's been really cool.
1: Yeah. It's, it's that, uh, it's that theory of a, of an industry instead of a, you know, a bunch of individual people just doing whatever they do, Um, you know, kind of a, kind of a community spirit uh, rising tide floats, all boats thing. Right. I mean, it's not a, it's not a new concept. Uh, uh, Presumably every association on the, on the planet is, is built on that idea. Um, How would you, how would you, would you draw any distinction between what you're doing and what say an association like the, the CCA is doing?
0: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think what we're doing is a little bit more, a uh, little bit more grassroots, a little bit more uh, social and fun. Uh, it's also, I, I think, and I hope, uh, a little bit more inclusive. I found that. So when we started Builders and Brisbane, and I thought, oh, geez, I better figure out what um, uh, for us it's build, B-I-L-D. I think that's what it's still called, or the Calgary Community Calgary Construction Association. Either way, I just found those organizations to be a little bit stodgier. And they're also focused on the commodity side of the industry to a large extent, because that's where the money comes from to support those groups. Right. Um, and again, there's a you're paying two grand a year uh, to be a member of that association. Um, and then you're paying 80 bucks to go to a breakfast or Builders and Brews you pay 20 bucks for a ticket you come out and buy your own beer um but it's also it also offers opportunities for cross-pollination like in those associations i find they tend to silo where you have a bunch of builders and developers then you have plumbers over in the plumbers association you have designers doing wine and cheese product demos or (laughs) or working on instagram or doing something but (laughs) <laughs> what's that at the museum <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> so so and, and that's cool but we we yeah, it is. Yeah. the build, builders and brews has been great because you create a situation where you're sitting right now it's virtual but you're sitting at a table you could have a, a painter next to an interior designer next to a plumber oh. uh sitting with a builder and they could all kind of chat and cross-pollinate and there aren't a lot of opportunities like that in our industry um, so that's been, that's been part of the appeal and it's been neat to see the connections that have been made um, and relationships that have been formed through uh, Builders and Brews
1: events. I think, I think that's a, I think that's a huge part of the appeal that, 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 that makes, that, that definitely has a, has a a distinction to it that, uh, you know, if it's kind of, how, how are you, how are you, um, how are you. Well, I don't want to say marketing, but uh, I mean communicating these these events or these opportunities to, to to the people. Like, how do you get out the plumbers and the electricians and the HVAC, uh, uh, as well as as well as your friends in the in the uh, building community?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we uh, largely through Instagram, but then it kind of just has generated its own sort of word of mouth um, uh, appeal uh, because of some of those connections. So, one of the very first events we did was in. Uh, the fall of 2019, I think, maybe even earlier than that. I'm losing track of what day and year it is, but um, it was a while ago anyway. And the first event we did was on the pre-construction process. So I met with, had met with an architect um, named Ken Staves and a designer named Kevin Gray. Um, And we had, and they told me about how they approached the pre-construction process where they, they go to the client's and they introduce their contractor. So they introduce a single contractor that they've pre-vetted. They know that their quality of work is a fit, their budget point is a fit. And so they bring that, their contractor to the table as part of the project team really early. And they had some really interesting ways to describe how they approach that pre-construction process in order to avoid um, competitive bidding uh, and to avoid having, um, having just clients end up choosing the, the contractor or group that provides the lowest initial price, which is rarely the one that actually uh, gets built. Um, so anyway, so I thought I met with them one day, and I thought that was really interesting. So we had them do a forty-five minute presentation on that pre-construction process, and then um, and then they connected with a few people after that, and then we just had beers after with them, with that whole group. Uh, but at, following that, I had two different uh, colleagues of mine reach out and say, "Hey, just so you know." um since that event we haven't bid a project for free and my enjoyment of my work has gone up immensely and that came from two different people and I thought oh that's pretty cool um and then of course they told that to other people who said okay you need to come out to these builders and brews events um and so that's just kind of built from there again because it's that it's that shared struggle and there's just an appetite for that level of of collaboration and openness there's there's also something there um there's an industry parallel with the with the craft beer industry so it's back to the association thing so I I draw a distinction between the commodity side of the industry uh, which is like large um, greenfield developers Um, they're they're it's a they're building beautiful projects and they're they're create doing good work and I don't want to discount that but um, theirs is is more of a commodity model you're trying to drive down input costs and keep sales costs as high as you can Um, so then it could be pork it could be beans like um it's not it's not necessarily homes whereas what we represent in that in our industry is sort of the craft side and this parallel i draw there is you can go to costco and you could buy a 50 pack of kokati and pay a dollar six a can right yeah. and then but you won't hesitate to go down to a craft brewery pay six or seven dollars for the same volume of beer which is a 500 percent markup um but you're doing that because you're getting a Better product, you are getting a better experience. You are getting a connection to the people who made that product, mm-hmm. um, and there is something there in our. We, we can't charge a five hundred percent markup, I don't think, on for, for our work. That that that'd be nice, but uh, <laughs> but there is a distinction there, and I think that the people that that are attracted to the craft side of the industry, which is why a lot of us got into construction and design, um, anyway people that are attracted to that craft side uh, builders and brews just has a message in a community that resonates with them. Uh, so you can focus on how to do the craft side better and connect with more people who have a similar approach.
1: Yeah. I, I, I what, a, what, a, what a great concept. And I, I think you've explained the, 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 the difference really well. I mean, I mean, I, I I've seen as time goes on, I see more and more benefit in these, um, in, in, in keeping it simple, in having the social uh, uh, unstructured uh, element to things, like you say, you have the beers after the talk, um, and and just having, like you say, you know, a short talk, you know, some some reason for people to to to, to come out to to get something out of it, uh, and then uh, and then uh, and then moving on, and, and and it just seems to be tremendously popular. You can keep the cost down. Uh, uh, everybody. You know, can find time to do it. Uh, you know, instead of you know the larger conference that goes on for three days and 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 everybody's traveling to some destination. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 there's 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 endless droning of powerpoints. You know, in in a, in a lecture hall for, for for days at a time. I mean, it's you know that that's fine, I guess, for some people. But uh, but I mean, um, unless you're I, you know I don't know unless you're pulling the levers that move the world as far as uh, setting industry standards or something like that I'm not sure that all that is really necessary for most people right I mean that 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 that's that's really that's really where you guys have something a, a little bit a little bit easier and and, and special to offer right
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it's like and the, I think I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I think a lot of people in construction, me as well, like didn't school isn't where I did my best work. Right, so right. those longer conferences I get, like I get yeah. like my ADHD flares up and then I, I get bored easily. So we, we try and yeah, keep our, keep our events concise and we try to provide an actionable takeaways that people can apply to their business. The next day but what we don't want to become is somebody like, like there are groups that are doing that sort of business coaching like breakthrough academy um, and and a few other people that's not what we're trying to do we're just trying to provide a place for education and connection um, to foster collaboration in our industry we actually have a um, we have an event coming up at the end of the month here, which is going to be really interesting. Uh, we're doing it in collaboration with um, a group called Building Equality in Architecture. And that's, a, that's an international group. Uh, but we're doing it in conjunction with their Calgary chapter. And we have three. So um, a few years ago, um, the YMCA, but rather the, the Young Women's CA. I don't know what that is. But anyway, they built a new center here in Calgary. Um, So they built something called the YW Hub, um, and we have the project team from that. We have somebody representing the developer, somebody representing the architect, which is Casey architecture, and then somebody uh, representing um, the organization themselves. Anyway, so we have three construction professionals who all happen to be women, and they're going to be uh, doing a panel discussion on um on both community building and like in terms of that project um but also about uh career paths for uh women entering construction which i think is pretty cool so we're doing that one virtually on a platform called gatherly uh, and that'll be later this month in uh may so that'll be cool i'm literally looking forward to that one
1: how fantastic yeah that's that's a that's a great thing We, we had a lot of fun with our women in construction thing back in march um and uh you know, it's, it's something my readers are probably going to get sick of me banging on about. Uh, but I just, I I think it's so critical for people to find ways to get the ladies, you know, involved in the industry, because uh, everybody needs the labor, man. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, cool. and, and everyone, and the funny thing is, everyone who tries it, loves it, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. They, they, get, they, get, they get some women working in the organization. It's like, damn, these, they show up for work and stuff. <laughs> yeah
0: that's that uh my colleagues here they have a a carpenter named jessica and she she's been awesome and they they said exactly that they're like she does what she's supposed to do and i'm like yeah that's uh, that's uh, that's that's kind of basic but it's awesome that that's and, and that you can but that getting that message out that there are viable career paths and the thing I'm, the things I'm describing about. So like, I think a lot about what the future of our industry looks like, like not in a year, but 10 years, 20 years. And I think uh, automation um, and more um, like panelized solutions and prefabricated solutions are going to drive the commodity. It's going to like create that commodity craft separation even further. And the things I'm describing that make Brookwright um, uh, good at our work are empathy and transparency and, um, emotional intelligence. And those are things that where, uh, where, where women have traditionally been put into like, okay, you're going into nursing, you're going into some kind of caretaking role. There's those roles exist within construction as well. And that becomes a differentiator, um, but there's also apprenticeship paths and there's all kinds of interesting updates. So anyway, not to get too deep down, yeah, yeah, down, down that hole. But I, I'm excited about that event, and I'm just excited to learn myself about about how um, these ladies got uh, to where they are in construction.
1: Yeah, yeah they're they're always they're they're always great stories. Um, tell, give, give me give uh, me can you give me some example of some other topics you guys have done?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're so we did the pre-construction one that I mentioned. Um, we also uh, so so Brook Wright is my company, but Brookfield is also a company that people might have heard of. And Brookfield did an interesting thing here in Calgary. They built a passive house using cross laminated timber. Uh, so we had a group from Brookfield present to us on some of the some of the obstacles they experienced and why they chose to do that project that way and, and how it turned out and just to educate people a little bit more about Passive House uh, in general, which is quite popular. Right now. So We did an event uh, with them. Um, one of our most popular events as well was, uh, um, was with Habitat for Humanity because again, there's like, so that it, the example that I told, but I don't have like nobody's dropping material off of my sites, but through the Restore, through the Habitat for Humanity Restore, you can do that. You can like call them and say, hey, I have this like extra lumber. We don't have a place for it. Why don't you put it in the restore? Or if you're ripping out a kitchen that was built in the, the early 2000s, still totally workable, just doesn't suit the style um, of the times, That to take it apart and they'll put it in the restore. You get a tax credit back. Or you can be a crew lead for one of their projects. So that was super cool. Um, we did that event uh, last. Uh, that was our last live event. So that would have been... December, 2020. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was one. Uh, and then lately as we've gone to online, we've been, uh, transitioning to, um, panel discussions, uh, which has been interesting. So last time we had a, a realtor and a developer, uh, and a technology guy just do a brief panel discussion. Um, and then like I said, the one coming up and then there's been a few more, I can't exactly remember what they all were, but Oh. Um, we tried, like I said, try and provide some actionable takeaways or introduction to a new idea that people might not have otherwise known fully about.
1: What, what were the takeaways on the cross laminated timber? Harder to fasten or uh... <laughs> uh,
0: the so uh, so Brookfield, Uh, did it as an, like I said, they did it as an experiment, like a research um, and development project. It was, uh, the permitting was difficult because there, um, it was hard to get the city to understand like, well, we don't need a furnace, like the fridge can heat this place. Um, So there were some complexities there. Um, The costs were way out of line with what they would normally build. um, But uh, the CLT, I think overall, I think what they, they sourced European, um, cross-laminated timber, but now we've got a few more local options. There's actually a new facility, uh, in Nelson, just south of Nelson, BC that's, um, operational now called Kolesnikov, Uh, and they, like they maintain their forests in a, in a, in a European model, uh, and they're pressing their own, um. Panels now, so I think having some of that locally available material will change uh, the adoption of mass timber. Um, but this was kind of a, a bleeding edge early adopter and was therefore very expensive, which uh, Brookfield probably won't be emulating anytime soon. Um, but in the custom home space, we'll have opportunities to uh, to play around with some of those um, systems.
1: Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I've 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 taken a look at that one in the past and uh, and and kind of gone. And eh, not quite there yet, but uh, yeah, and certainly not. Like to say, not for mass use. Uh,
0: yeah, Even even the strategy, like one one major difference there is now you're doing a full outsolation strategy, right? So you're you're doing, putting all your insulation on the outside, which is cool, but it also creates a home where like people are like, "Where's where's the drywall? <laughs> it's like, yeah. all this wood." Oh, okay. Well, we can put drywall over it if you want. But so I I really like it. I like building assemblies that reduce the number of layers. Um, just because it, it makes things simpler um then it's from a design standpoint a little bit more uh, pure um but yeah it's not for everybody but it's exciting to see uh companies trying it out and to see where that's going to go
1: on the automation how uh, uh uh what do you uh what do you what do you predict there um i mean i mean are we are we going to see the uh, are the track builders going to be uh you know just going to have the, the the big 3D printer out there pretty soon uh, uh just making the whole thing out of concrete or uh i
0: i don't know that's a i don't know that's a few years that's a few years away i think um i was i was bummed i was supposed to go to germany uh in last may um to go on a tour of a few different uh home building facilities there so part of the way and i've never been so i'm just uh, talking out my butt a little bit but um they panelize their homes, um, but they build them in a factory setting, to say factory, they build them indoors and then they panelize them. So these these home builders turn out three or four thousand completely custom designs every year, but they build all the panels in a in a indoor situation. And then they chuck them up site and um stick them all together with all the wiring with all the with all the siding on the outside. Um yeah, I mean, in it, right? Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. And all the all the ductings in place so that it's built around a core. You have a core almost more like a mini commercial building. So I, I'm very eager to get back there and explore that because I think it's it's a model more like that where um, more, much more panelized construction, you see it already with like, like trusses was the early advent of that but now we see wall panels and, and full walls flown into place. Um, we have something like superior walls uh, for the foundation systems where they can, if it's a square foundation, you f- fly in four, p- four walls that are already insulated and studded and so I think we're going to see more of that. Um, so you should probably buy a crane. At some point, by a mobile crane. At some point here, that might be a good move. Um, but uh, yeah, that's. I think that's the direction we're going to see in the next couple years. Um, further down the road, um, yeah, I don't know what that looks like. You've seen a few, like not not three D printers necessarily, but you see um, like a like a crane assembly that's on that's on track, so it'll just move its way down a neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And doing the 3D printing. So I think it'll be an interesting mix. We'll we'll, we'll see it's a it's sometimes frustrating because our industry is one of the slowest um, to change and people talk about how fundamentally we're still building houses the same way we did 120 years ago, when if you tried to get me to drive a car from 120 years ago, I would just probably push it off a bridge. but that's still how we build houses. So, so, but it, it's exciting to see uh, some of the little changes that are coming. I think uh, also where it's going to manifest itself more um, is with the technology the guys use on site. Uh, and when some augmented reality starts to come into play for like um, training and apprenticeship training and install, like imagine if you had an install manual that you just queued up on your on your glasses and say, "Hey, okay, connect this part to this part. Now this part to this part." And then you say, "Oh, I need help," and you click the little help button and a technician from the factory said, Oh, you know what? You've done this wrong here. You need to do it. You need this washer. Okay. We're sending it out. It's going to arrive tomorrow. Like there's some of that stuff. And even with the guys on tablets being able to um, look at the plans, I think we're going to see the end of, of two dimensional plans and the end of like flat printed plans in the next couple of years. If you, if uh, people look up a program, like um, it's called Revisto, or even a a Sapphire viewer, like all all your trust manufacturers, they make a 3D model and you can get it on something called the Sapphire viewer and you can have it on your phone and you can navigate this model and zoom in and look at connection points. I think we're going to start uh, adopting much more of that technology in the field. It's already happening, but I think it's going to uh, come into residential in a much more meaningful way in the next year or two.
1: And I think I, I I wonder in in some ways and, and now I you know I'm I'm almost going into psychology here but but I'm I, I'm wondering if some of the inertia and some of the resistance to change has been has been kicked out of its rut a little bit by by the pandemic right I mean I mean you mentioned yourself I, I guess oh, you've yeah transitioned some of your events to, to virtual um, yep. or maybe all of them uh, for now hmm. and uh, and uh, you you know but I've seen this general. This general shift in the willingness to look at the way you do things, right? Mm-hmm. Because and and it started it started with the working from home thing, and again, it's not something that impacts construction so much, but 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 it's you know sort of across businesses there was this there was this, they everyone was forced to change, forced to to to, to be very agile and and try some different things and challenge themselves, and and and. So some, do you see that to some extent that attitude is 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 carrying on a little bit and there's people are thinking a little more about about their process?
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and, and I think like every time something crappy happens, there's positive that comes out of it. Right. So even like, thinking about lumber, even thinking about the lumber prices, I was with a group of builders uh, yesterday, there's an organization called uh, CISPA here, which is inner city uh, builders just have gotten together. Um, and we were having a long discussion about, okay, OSB is crazy expensive, what alternatives are there? Like, and so we had a guy, we had a code a safety codes officer from the city in this call saying like, okay, hey, here's, here's the part of the building code that says, you know what, you can use dense glass sheathing if you abide by these standards. So the fact that lumber prices are super high makes builders start looking for creative solutions that they otherwise wouldn't have explored. Or like I mentioned, ICF before we kind of like doing that anyway, but now more people are looking at that as a, as a viable option. It hits energy code requirements, uh, the materials uh, while they've gone up, they haven't gone up to the same degree that lumber has um, and they're, they're more readily available. So something, something like that, like lumber prices or, or the pandemic, Um, yeah 100% and as far as the virtual events go uh, Stefan who I haven't mentioned but he runs Builders and Brews for me which is great we've talked about continuing to do some kind of virtual event because what it does is it opens us up to a broader audience so the platform that we use called Gatherly um, is pretty cool it presents like a showroom floor and you have a little avatar that can move around so if I'm in there and I see, oh, there's Patrick over there. I can go. I hover my avatar next to you. Now we're in a conversation, uh, just like this. Um, and what we've what we've talked about is we can do we could do floors. We could have we could have different showroom floors. We could have a Toronto floor. We could have a Calgary floor. We could have a Vancouver floor, um, which I think is really cool. So we'll probably continue doing virtual events uh, in some capacity, just because it is um, it's a good way to connect. And when you're all drinking beer. Yeah. uh, getting up, getting a hundred something people together and then having them drink beer for a couple hours and then sending them on their merry way. There's some uh, safety concerns there as well. So when you're sitting at your computer at home, there's a, you can just crush craft beer as long as you want and go yep. to sleep.
1: Yeah. I, l- I like the, uh, I do like the live events though, or, 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 or when we can, when we can get back to them. Um, oh, yeah. right now you're in, right now you're in Calgary, um, do you, do you, do you see this do you, do you see builders and brews as a, as an exportable model or or uh, would would you guys have interest in doing that or is that something you would encourage people in the various other areas to to take up themselves no 100% we would,
0: we would love that there's a um, we didn't talk about swearing on this podcast but i'm assuming you we're can edit it but all oh, oh sweet, uh, sweet. Uh, okay we'll so, we'll so there's there, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a there's a movement uh, not a movement, there's an organization called Fuck Up Nights um, oh. and it was started by a group of students in, in Mexico um, who were frustrated by the fact that they had all these business like models and aspirational, like you should be like Bill Gates or you should be like whomever, or, Carlos Swimmer. um, but they never heard any of, the, of the, the crappy stories that went into that. So they started um, this thing called Fuck Up Nights where business leaders come in and share their favorite failures which is Ah. I think which is really powerful and it's awesome so I've been to a few of those events um but then that stemmed into it's an international organization now with local chapters so we have a Calgary chapter Uh, I'm sure there's a Toronto chapter or two I think so you should should look should look it up but that's the model we'd like to emulate where um, we have a local champion for builders and brews and it's not a hard story to tell um and then it would kind of build its own, build its own little movement. Part of my dream is if I have to, again, like I said, I was this. But whole reason, part of the whole reason we started was to legitimize my craft beer consumption. Uh, but if there's a part of my future world where I'm traveling around, helping host events, and telling the story of builders and brews, and doing the best I can to foster collaboration and, and pride and education in our industry, then that to me would be a that'd be a dream job. I'll take that all day. So yeah, by all means, if anybody if that story resonates with anybody reach out to, to me or Stefan on Instagram or email and um, yeah. let's get it going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we, well, since we're on the topic, where, 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 where do people find you guys?
0: Uh, so builders and brews, I forget the exact tag, but if you, if you search for that on Instagram or at buildersandbrews.ca, and um, we have a website there uh, and Brookwright is just Brookwright underscore construction on Instagram. We're pretty active there and we try and, Try and tell a little bit more of the behind-the-scenes story. It's not all just flashy, flashy pictures of fancy homes because we never forget that it's people that put them together. So we have some fun there. So either of those places is a good spot. And and a direct message there will get right to me. So
1: Okay. And pe- pe- old, old crotchety people like me who use email and telephone and stuff. Can <laughs> you yeah. give out your email address if you don't want to? But the, can they find that on the website? Or- oh, oh,
0: 100%. Yeah, brookwright.ca. Uh, if you if you email or call through that number uh, again it'll get through to me Uh, so yeah it's it's funny we like we yeah my so Brian my partner he's uh he's he's in his he's a seasoned construction professional we won't we won't mention his age but he uh yeah he's constantly like you can oh you can just google it he's like he's amazed by by google but in the best way possible where it's like we'll be talking about something and in the background john or lulu other other members of our team will be like googling the thing and brian be like okay i gotta call this guy to find out about that and this and they're like brian we uh got all the answers right here oh okay Okay. like that's to the pandemic and to, to, to the adoption of technology that's just gonna happen real quickly i'm excited to see the next generation of construction professionals come up with um i did some speaking for i did a uh, something with Sate with our technical school here for the the project manager for the project manager program and a few of those um, students have come out to builders and brews events as well but it's been really exciting just to see some of the new ideas they're bringing in uh, um, sort of their excitement about the industry which is different from my experience coming up as a carpenter but I think equally relevant or maybe even more so uh, as technology is adopted more quickly and, um, and things change so anyway it's been that's been interesting. It
1: is it, it, it is changing for sure I, uh, I, I see it on the equipment side a lot uh, I see it a lot on the digital side that you're talking about with the uh, uh, augmented reality and bringing in the tablets and things yeah no it's a it, it's an interesting time to be in this and you know it's uh, i I'll, I'll suggest to you that uh, that that ontario is probably a, uh, a a prime target for the building and brews uh concept because uh we too had a bit of a craft beer revolution here um uh there was a an uprising against the, against the big brewers and, and and an attempt to get unleashed from the same sort of restrictions you're talking about, where you had to, you had to make a certain amount before you could be licensed as a brewer or sell your, sell your beer. Um, Mm -hmm. They succeeded in getting that kicked over. uh, But then there was, there's been a, uh, and I'm not totally familiar with the ins and outs of it, but there's, there's definitely a barrier in the distribution side of it the The brewers retail out here. Uh, yeah. uh, the uh, beer they, store. Yeah, the beer store. Exactly. They, they. they, <laughs> they yeah, I'm revealing my age. It 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 yeah. needs to be brewers retail, but yes, it's the beer. It's been yeah. the beer store for many years, and uh, and they, um, you know, basically the way that ended up working out was the craft brewers had to go through the big, brewer yeah. in order to get their. Yeah. stuff in the in the in the beer store and I, I'm I'm probably not describing it right and I'm probably going to get letters telling me I'm, I'm wrong about everything but uh, anyway it's, not, it, it, it's something like that anyway so, so yeah we need we need our craft brewers out here to to, to band together and do something too and uh, and uh, and it would be uh you know it's it's the same model as you guys and, and it it I think you're right the common enemy is very helpful uh when you, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to pulling together a, a grassroots group that, that that wants to work together right uh, mm-hmm. and uh there's there's certainly no shortage of common enemies in various regions across uh canada so <laughs>
0: yeah yeah the beer store i grew i grew up in southwestern ontario so i'm very familiar oh, did with you? oh okay. i'm very familiar with the beer store and the the 12 yeah. beers the 12 beers that they send out on the on the trolley or or rather a two four but the 12 beer options i mean where yeah. now yeah you go into a, a liquor store here and it's it's almost endless which is really Everything. cool
1: yeah yeah and and you you, you get it here too but I, I i know that i know that in the in the back end they have to they there's some kind of a deal that has to go on with the with the big brewers in order to get it mm-hmm. so yeah thing- we've
0: and we have we have talked to a couple of people in toronto about uh getting involved with builders and brews events and we actually had a couple guests from toronto uh last time a guy named will gunnell who has uh, he was he joined us for an event that was really cool And we've talked to uh, uh manny um he's from hardcore renos uh as well so there, there's definitely some interest and in, what well, i think we'll get that going uh pretty soon here in the next couple months maybe
1: well I, I, uh, byron I, I i and yeah and i think i think you and I should talk offline because anything we can do to, uh, to, to assist with that effort would be, uh, would, would be really cool. Um, and, uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a valuable thing to have going on and, uh, and, and just, you know, the, 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 the type of thing we need more of, right. Um, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. That, that would be, that would be very, uh, that would be very fun to see, uh, see these little groups pop up around the country, right. And everybody can yeah. get together and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and just have something, informal yet yet useful because i mean all the all the best business gets done in those in those informal conversations uh, uh after the fact anyways right so that's that's where all the that's where all the hard work happens yeah, yeah. so <laughs> and all the you money. got it
0: yeah yeah <laughs> no no zoom meetings no that's that's where trust that's where trust and and relationships are built and i think it's also an opportunity to remember why we got into this industry and why we
1: hmm. why
0: we slog through it some days um, so you can share some of your struggles and and uh and your successes in, a, in an enjoyable way so yeah no that'd be super cool well, i'd love to talk about that further
1: i think that's a i think that's a a, a great spot to wrap it up um and uh I just encourage uh, anybody with interest in this concept or with interest in Brookright and uh, and anything we've talked about uh to go ahead and uh reach out to byron uh, Byron Brooks at Brookright, uh, and uh, and 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 have have those discussions, and maybe talk about getting a builders and brews uh, uh, organization or a, an event going in 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 your area. He uh, the, the the great thing is Byron's already done it, so uh, at least you have a uh, at least you have a model to work off of. <laughs> so there's 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 some advantages there, and and uh, and I imagine Byron, you you through your brewery connections, you'd be able to make the connection to uh, to the brewer in, in whatever area is talking to you. Right. So you gotcha. that, yeah. So there's that option as well. Byron, I want to thank you very much for joining me today uh, and uh, you know, uh, best of luck with the, with the initiative and best of luck in your endeavors.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much for chatting with me. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the hammer. You can find episodes online at canadiancontractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is
1: presented by Canadian Contractor magazine.